If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. Welcome back, everybody. You're here on the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And next I'm talking to Erica Whittem. We're going to be talking about how the new unions are changing the landscape. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you, Natalie. It's great to be here. This is something I really don't know much about, so I'm going to be asking tons of questions. We're going to learn all about it. Before we do, for those of you that don't know Erica, Erica has been volunteering for the Number 8 Workers Union and ha- and has an IT background. She has studied at the University of Auckland, Toronto, where I'm from, Siena, Italy, and Berlin, Germany. Wow. Um, and also, so you are this general secretary of the Number 8 Workers Union. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I started volunteering for the Number 8 Workers' Union in 2022. We have a lot of filings in the Employment Relations Authority. We've conducted a lot of mediations and we have a really large growing number of members. And how, like, give us me a little bit more backstory about how you got into this area. Is this related to what you trained in? Obviously, you trained in IT. But um, Mm. how did this come to be? Was there an experience or a story that led you down this path? Um, The experience was probably people at my one of my previous jobs um, talking about what was safe at at work and what was allowed and what and what wasn't safe and um, people not being allowed into work unless they had had a certain medical treatment and then. It all really started in, you know, the beginning of May, end of 2022, when people were losing their jobs if they didn't take a medical treatment. And I was fortunate enough to learn a lot from um, Liz Liz Lambert, who uh, she was admitted to the bar, gosh, in 2000 and something. I was fortunate enough to learn a lot from her, and I still am. And it's really been a big learning curve about how, how what you do at work um, has to be safe and it has to be healthy. And I think that there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors about what is safe and what's healthy at at work, uh, especially with public health um, public health risks. <laughs> there's there's public health risks that are out there, like you know um, colds, measles. Um, TB, um, and then there's work risks that are things like me tripping over the cord on the ground mm. or falling off a building side or down a ditch or pulling out some as, asbestos. So I got involved with um, with this union back in 2022. We've, we're growing. We've got a lot of people, and we're helping a lot of people who had lost their jobs because they didn't take a medical treatment, and we're helping a lot who are filing breach of contract claims. That's another thing. If your contract didn't have anything in it saying that you would take medical treatments, then that's a breach of contract claim. Um, I feel like I'm jumping straight into all the nitty nitty gritty, but... I love all the nitty gritty, but it's good to know how you got to this place. Um, And... 
I guess what I, one thing I wanted to ask you just then, have you seen some progress? Because that was back in 2022. And I feel mm. like, you know, things have changed, but you know, the working world is not really the place that I live in. Like I'm self-employed and I don't. So, but mm. have things changed for people? Have, have we, I'm very impatient, you know, to see the change and to see the truth emerge. Have you seen some positive things come out of this? For some of the yes, we've, yes, we've had a lot of settlements for um, our, our members. And it's interesting you say that you're self-employed. I mean, when you're self-employed, you're in charge of your own business and you're in charge of your own safety. So um, you don't have anyone telling you what to do. Yes, and I like it telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's all the people who aren't self-employed who work for large large corporates um so there has been a lot of change in the sense that we've had a lot of settlements for for people who were wrongfully terminated and just this week one was actually picked up in the newspaper mm. which was a truck driver if you look in the new zealand herald about a truck driver who um i think it says hastings truck truck driver who refused to get a covid jab he got a twenty nine thousand dollar payout and this was this is quite a good sign in the sense that the media is picking up on it now. It's a New Zealand on-air funded journalist who's done the reporting, which is, um, in my view, that's a big conflict of interest. You can't have you can't have state-funded journalists trying to report the news. Um, so the person drove a truck by himself, uh, got fired because he didn't have a COVID jab, which is just ridiculous, especially because he didn't, he wasn't the one unloading, working with other people, mm. you know, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know, you don't just have to take a medical treatment in order to stop a um, disease. So we've had We've had that one in the um well I just wanna I wanna Europe. really honor that one because well number one, you know, when people hear about this, and a lot of people won't have heard about this, so I'm glad that we're highlighting it. I'm really happy that the it was what did you say it was in the Herald? It was in the Herald. So if okay. you just search New Zealand Herald Hastings Perfect. truck driver. So it's in what many people would consider to be mainstream. We we now we call it legacy media, but um so it does have that certain level of credibilities for people that aren't awake to what has actually been going on. And so I think this is great. This is a win because it's showing that look, someone got this payout. They were you know, wrongfully in a in you know wrong treated wrongfully and it paves the way hopefully for other people to receive um some sort of payout but more importantly well equally as importantly acknowledgement that they mm. were you know things that weren't handled well yes and this in this scenario the trucking company didn't really do a proper risk assessment for a person driving a truck by themselves i mean you know when you're by yourself whom can you give covid to um and if you're going on a long trip you're not going to see anyone maybe you'll have a bathroom stop but the um the case was that he was unjustifiably dismissed and his employer didn't follow a fair and reasonable process and so that's a really good result that the press are picking up on them um we have a lot of settlements where there are no news articles um because companies never like to say sorry, yeah. especially in public. I think maybe 15 years ago, 
there were some high school kids that measured Ribena vitamin C content <laughs> and they found out that it didn't have very much vitamin C. And then the person in charge of Smith GlaxoKline went on TV and said, oh, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. Um, and that's the only time I've seen a big company apologize, which is, um, which is I guess, just how how they roll. You know, it takes decades for for companies to say to say sorry. So this workers' union has been really good in the sense that the other unions that were around, um, they just pretty much said, stick your arm out. You know, right. they just um, – and it's interesting looking on the Electoral Commission website at the donations that political parties get, and a lot of these unions are donating to political parties. So the union that I'm volunteering for doesn't have any affiliation with political parties. That's one of the rules. Um, if someone wants to get into politics, then they have to leave the um, union because never the twain shall meet, really. That's what sort of got us into quite a big mess in, in the first place. Unions taking advice from political parties. That's right, because unions are meant to stand up for and stick up for the people, the workers, and not just pander to the political whims. Mm. Yes. Um, so it has been a real a real problem, um, especially when, you know, small small numbers of union members haven't been represented by the unions or the unions just said, um, yeah, well, we have to do it. Um, for example, in this case of the Hastings truck drivers, truck drivers were never on the COVID-19 vaccinations order. You know, there's, there were only a few professions that were in the COVID-19 vaccinations order, um, doctors, teachers, a few others, uh, border workers, but truck drivers weren't on there. Um, you know, there's a lot. I mean, you think of the hundreds of professions there are. They certainly didn't list them all on there. Um, and there was just this sort of smoke and mirrors going about that everyone had to get it. Otherwise, we weren't going to enjoy summer. So you took some initiative there. You became the general secretary voluntarily of the number eight workers union who else joined i mean is it you know drivers and and teachers and nurses who's part of it um so the we've got a lot of teachers and we've got a lot of nurses and health professionals because um they're still in the progress of getting their issues sorted out um we've got our union president who's liz lambert we've got a team of advocates and i have to say that Karen and Liz did a fantastic job on the Hastings truck driver case. Mm. Um, we have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of members who are pro they're not self-employed, right? They've been working for big companies, a lot of government organization um, members because the, the unions that they had been with, like the PSA, NUPAY, these are the other unions that are in, in New Zealand that a lot of government workers are in. Um, they didn't stand up for their for their workers either. They just said, you know, go along with the with the government's um with the government's ideas of what everyone should be doing to stop this terrible disease. That's another thing that I've been very busy with is official information act requests. I did an official information act request to ask how many people got exemptions. There were Good. exemptions available, not medical exemptions, but they were called operational exemptions. So 
if you were, say, the only person at your school who taught Spanish and the school couldn't function without a Spanish teacher, the person in charge of the school could apply for an operational exemption. And the response that I got back was that there were the exemptions given for approximately 11,005 workers. So then I wrote back and said, wow, that's a big number. Um, can you tell me which industry they were in? And yes. they said they were all health-related workers. And that's a real Ill illogical answer in my view because, you know, we were all told that health workers were on the vaccination order and they're giving out, you know, they're a vulnerable workplace, um, but they were the ones that received all of the exemptions. Another official information that request I did, I asked how many how many notifications WorkSafe received for COVID-19 in the workplace? And they came back and they said there had only been 23 and none of them were investigated. And I thought, wow, there's like 2 million cases of COVID, but only 23 were reported in the workplace. So, you know, I thought that everyone was sick and dying from COVID in the workplace. Well, no, I didn't think that. Um, it's... What, yeah, what we were told, the way it was spun. Yeah, that's the it. way it was spun, exactly. Um, so if any workplace said that COVID was a risk, then they should have reported it to WorkSafe because that's what they're supposed to do when there's a workplace disease. The same way if I, I don't know, fall off fall off the um, scaffolding in a construction site, they should be reporting that to WorkSafe. Any, any kind of workplace accident, disease, you're supposed to report it. But yeah, only 23 people did. Um, and I share all these OIAs on our union webpage if anyone wants to go and have a have a read. Um, because our wonderful New Zealand on air journalists don't seem to ask very many questions. I know. Well, it's clear to me, and I'm sure it's clear to so many of our listeners that there were, and there probably still are, so many gaps and holes and inconsistencies in what was done, what was reported how people mm. behaved. A lot of people, um, like it sounds like the traditional unions, really just towed the, the line as such. They kind of, oh, we're just doing what we're told, which and many, many businesses did the same thing without really looking into it. Um, so I'm just, I, I just continue to be so impressed really by the nurses, the do, you know, the teachers, the doctors, the drivers, everyone who had the, the guts really to actually say no, you know, to stand up, to listen to their intuition or their inner wisdom or whatever it was that made them decide it wasn't for them. And I know mm. it's it's an ongoing situation for so many people. Mm. Yeah, it is ongoing. I mean, there are, there are people who sent in a personal grievance letter to their workplaces saying you know I'm raising a personal grievance or you know this isn't right and then there's people that just obviously sent in letters objecting you know this isn't right either you can't force a medical treatment and that's something else that no one seemed to have read was that the Health Act 1956 says that you can't compel people to take a medical treatment and that's what has been the sort of bible for disease outbreaks well, I guess since 1956. Um, so some people wrote in letters and said, you know, I'm not happy. And so that's a personal grievance and you have 90 days to raise that. If you didn't send a letter in and if your contract didn't say that you had to take vaccinations as part of your job, then that's a breach of contract, which is six years time frame. And 
many people, uh, actually I've seen a lot of contracts, I've not seen one that says you must get vaccinations for your work or you must, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just not in there. It's completely un, unheard of. Um, there was a case in 2016, I think, it was Mighty River Power versus an electrical union, and in that case the workers won that when their employer tried to force them to get drug tests. So they took that to the employment court and they said, nope, it wasn't in your contract, that can't happen. So, And you have to have reasonable cause to want to drug test someone. They've got to show up to work a bit slurred speech or, you know, falling over or something. Um, So this was a case where the workers didn't want random drug tests, but the the employer was going to discipline them if they didn't agree to it. It's like, oh, no, you have to have random drug tests whenever we want, whenever we say. So I think it has all been very, very new, but it's. I uh, just wanted to share that there is a six-year time limit on mm. breach of contract claims. So um, dust off your contract and have a look and see what it says because, you know, employment law is what is what unions operate by and that's how people obviously earn their earn their salary and earn their wages. It's got to be what's in the um, contract. There have been a lot of cases in the high court about workers and I think that they should be taking those to the employment court because that's where employment law is um, is looked at and and examined. Okay, so if one of our listeners is listening to this on the live stream or maybe on the replay and they're thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that about the the contract and I think I have, now I realize I have maybe some grounds to stand on to put something forward. Where do they go? Like what is the first step that they can do to go and figure out the process or whether they qualify or how it works? Um, so they have to look at their contract, obviously, and see what clauses are in there. There might be something saying that they'll follow a health and safety policy, which is fine because the health and safety policy is things like um, wearing a vest or a helmet or you know, not setting up IT network cables all over the floor. Um, you're not going to find any policies that say you have to take medical treatments. Um, and if your workplace added that as part of the health and safety policy, well, then you could say, well, why didn't you report this disease to WorkSafe if it really was a health and safety issue? So, yeah, have a good read of your contract and what other kinds of correspondence you had, or even if it's just verbal, you know, make make notes. Um, and then the real challenge has been finding lawyers to help out. I mean, I know that RCR's got a team of lawyers that they talk to. Um, the Law Society mandated vaccines to come into their building. I mean, a lot of lawyers haven't really um, jumped on jumped on board with this kind of thing. And it's funny you say that the parliamentary um, reading of this vaccinations bill back in 2021, I think one of the MPs actually said this bill is problematic and it's going to be a gravy train for employment lawyers. Well, um, so yeah, I mean, ring up, ring up your local lawyer. Um, you can join our our union, and we we take on these these cases. We have a we have a number of cases that are open at the moment. Um, 
lawyers, employment lawyers, they should all be jumping on this as well. Um, unfortunately, they often have a no win, no fee, or they're charged by the hourly rate. But yeah, um, definitely, it is worth it is worth um, pursuing because um, no one should have to go through this ever, ever again. Really, mm. um, the state doesn't own all the businesses in New Zealand. We're not in communist China where they get to tell us what to do all the time. Um, you know, every company had its own person in charge who was able to get exemptions if the person was on the order. Um, if they weren't on the order, then they didn't have to push it through at all. They didn't have to fire their staff. I mean, I just can't believe that people, you know, kind of chopped their nose off despite their face. Um we have a big teacher shortage and we have a big nurses shortage. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the thing with that, that is the ramifications of that, right? In the education, you know, with the kids, um, mm. not to mention all of the other, um, negative ripple effects of kids having to wear masks or talking to teachers who had masks and speech, you know, um, impediments at such, et cetera. I mean, there's so many things that, that were just potentially avoidable. Um, but having a shortage of teachers and nurses, I mean, it just puts the current population at even more risk. What are you hoping for in the next six months, let's say, in terms of the impact that you guys are having or aspiring to have at Number 8 Workers Union? What are you What are you hoping for in the next six months? We are really just plugging along with the same old, same old. We have... Um, we have a lot of members. We have a lot of open cases. We're filing new cases on a regular basis as the old ones close, and we're hoping for more settlements. And I'm looking forward to, I think it's the end of March when the New Zealand On Air funding runs out, and then we'll start getting some journalists who who read decisions in the court or the Employment Relations Authority, and then they call up the people and ask them for um, comment. You know, we've had a lot of... We've had a lot of reporting that just sounds like a um, government ad advertorial. Yes. <laughs> it hasn't really been proper journalism. And so I'm really looking forward to that NZ on Air funding running out because I I think that a lot of those contracts were two-year-long contracts, and so they'll be ending next month, I hope. Right. So we'll start hearing more about the fact that what did happen was really just lawless and hysteria it's been one big one big scare that's gone on um i think the number eight workers union will have a busy workload for the next uh, what are we now 2024 um it happened 2021 so yeah until 2026 december really that's when people started getting terminated you know nurses and teachers were told that they weren't allowed back on their premises after the 15th of november 2021 um i don't really know what would have happened natalie it's very you know like the police wouldn't have cared yeah you think well who else do they go to because the unions didn't have their back right so then you guys formed. And I imagine you're helping people not only with the kind of this legal side of things, but also the community that's been created. How's that helped people get through? Yeah, it's really good. We have um, we have weekly union meetings on, on Zoom. And 
I think it's really good for people to connect and know that they aren't alone and isolated. The employers did a very good job of, you know, isolating people and not not letting them get together and, and form groups. Um and having holding individual one-on-one meetings with staff, never, never in a um, group. So that's probably just um, abuse 101, really. <laughs> how to how to be horrible to a person? Make sure you isolate them. Do it, yep. you know. Um, pressure them when they're alone, not when they have any kind of support network around them, and then tell them that, well, you know, you're just crazy if you don't want to follow our. Um, policy and 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 you'll get um and we'll give you fifty dollars or a hundred dollars i think in that newspaper article for the hastings truck driver they actually mentioned some of the coercion that was in there because they were offering um i don't know was it cash or credits i'm not sure um there were incentives from all these places to yes. go and get incentives and disincentives kind of both sides yeah like if you don't get it you were going to lose your job and if you do get it you'll get in the draw for an iphone 13 or 12 or whatever model it was and um or kfc vouchers so it's so, it's so ridiculous that we when auckland was locked down we were allowed to get kfc and junk food but we weren't allowed to go to the gym I always find that hilarious. I mean, there it is right there. That just sums it up. Yeah. Have yeah, some people it's... been welcomed back to their workplace, like as a result of involvement with number eight workers union or like have some people seen, I guess, wins in other ways, maybe not a payout, but possibly either an apology or a, a welcome back to work or not so much? Um, so apologies, I don't think you can order those, um, <laughs> but we have had some people go back to their old jobs. So that process of that is called reinstatement mm-hmm. and um, that's supposed to be the primary remedy for when a person's been wrongfully fired from their job. Um, for example, if I worked at a factory and I started stealing Gucci bags or something, then, you know, they'd fire me and go. And if I tried to go back, they'd go, no, you can't go back because you're a thief. Well, no one did anything wrong who got fired, mm-hmm. right? All they did was decline a medical treatment. So, um, yeah, we 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 do often say we need this person back in their in their job. This is um, this should be the primary remedy. A lot of people move on; they're disenfranchised with the leadership. Yes, um, and I think that that's completely normal. Really, I mean, why would you want to go back to a place that thought? that um that they didn't have their own leadership they couldn't think for themselves you know they could i mean i'm sure they all do now everyone looks back now and goes gosh isn't that just a crazy time but um you know without reconciliation and without without people's conscience being activated um you know there is that's the only way that people can really move on and you know no award of money is going to mm. Is going to help. Um, unfortunately, we're not in the US where everything's, you know, $1 million or $5 million. Um, the payouts in the New Zealand Employment Court and the Employment Relations Authority, I think I think the most I've heard of is maybe 30000 for hurt and humiliation. Um, yeah, it's nothing like the US. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a step forward and it's a way to... Um, 
to move on, I guess. Um, and most people end up finding another job anyway. I think it's I think it's about stopping this from ever happening again, Natalie. Mm. And that like, is that is the key. We don't want to fall back into it and forget what happened. I th- I'm hoping that a lot of people listening who have stories to share, and there's so many around their own experience um, in the COVID journey, but specifically for today in the workplace. And I'm hoping a lot of people did contribute their their experience in the COVID inquiry, you know, filling out the form and, and sharing that. Mm-hmm. That's really important. So depending on when you're listening to this, um, you've either either done that or not. But also, we would love to hear from you, the people listening. Is this resonating for you? Maybe you are one of the teachers or the nurses or the drivers or the workers who's been greatly affected. We would love to hear from you. You can send a text, 2057, let us know, um, or inbox at realitycheck.radio. Erica, is there anything else that you'd love to share in terms of things that people can do or things that people should probably know about? They just might not know about it um, if they are possibly a worker that was, um, you know, is maybe either looking to be reconciliation, have have reconciliation or reinstated back into their job. So there's, um, as, as a volunteer for the Number 8 Workers' Union, I would say join our union. And our website's number eight, so the word number and then the digit eight.org.nz. Um, the first step is normally a mediation, and those are a free service from the Ministry of Business and, and Innovation. And that involves just, you know, a sit down, often they're by Zoom, um, but that's a good way to try and resolve the problem of being wrongfully terminated or having your contract breached without having to go to the Employment Relations Authority or or the Employment Court. And and that's really where you can get quite a good result. Um, There are still employers that are hell-bent on all of this. Um, I won't name, well, I think Tefata Aura maybe have backed down, but um, I've still yet to hear about the ex-health worker who's been hired back. <laughs> um, the New Zealand Nurses Union made a statement, gosh, a long time ago, I think it was maybe end of 2022, saying, no, if, if they didn't get vaccinated, then we don't want them back. You know, they made their bed, they can, they can go lie in it. It's just, it's unfortunate. So, yeah, look at, look at all the avenues that are out there. Um, it's definitely, I mean, it's not worth bringing up old issues if, if you've moved on and if you have a, a, a new job. Um, the New Zealand Herald article about the Hastings truck driver, he wasn't able to get a job, I think, for a number of months afterwards because of what, what happened. And so he got a lost wages claim. Um, if you got a job the next day, then, you know, you probably really can't, can't complain. Um, or have any kind of lost lost wages claim. Mm. The first case that came out like this was, I think, the Harwood case that was in maybe January of last year, and that was a, a golf a golf coach who lost his his job, and I, it took him a couple of months to get another job, and he got a lost wages claim for that. So yeah, it really depends on your on your situation. Yeah, so it sounds like if it's a more specialist, more specialist area, area. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we also help people who are having workplace safety issues as well. Um, I mean, I can't, I don't want to list workplaces that have unsafe environments but you know it can be it can be bullying it can be um it can be going to the bathroom and all of a sudden there's men in in your woman's bathroom and they're wearing a um dress you know that might you might think that's not safe to be going to the bathroom with um men in there wearing dresses yeah it all it, it's it's completely um it's it's fair game in terms of health and safety and we help out a lot of people with with those kinds of kinds of concerns or people who have been ill and then their boss tries to medically retire them um you know without going through the proper steps okay this is okay. great because it paints a picture of the various things that number 8 wire can help with because i was obviously laser focusing on the past on what people have been through and grievances but obviously there's a whole host of um, ways that people can be treated um, poorly in the workplace, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to ask you a positive question, hopefully. Um, if you were to truly up your brave in 2024, what would you do? Um, maybe take that overseas trip that I keep putting off. Where would you go to? Um, I still haven't been back to New York City since 2001, so I would love to go back there and um, and and visit. Awesome. See how it's all see how it's all um, all changed. I imagine um, it has. And the other thing I really want to happen is this whole royal inquiry. I'm I'm waiting to read the conflict of interest statement from the people participating in the inquiry so the chairpersons the people running the inquiry um you know most government processes or procurement you have to make a conflict of interest um for example i can't you know i can't be supplying um i can't have shares in something that then i suggest to the government that that they then go and um and uh, buy and yes. so yeah this COVID inquiry. I think there's a terms of reference. So that's something I'm hoping to get put in very soon to say, where's your conflict of interest statements, please? Because they're completely absent. I believe the inquiry is going till, is it closes in March? Yeah, I don't have the date handy, but I'll, when I do my outro, I will be sure to mention it. For yeah. sure. And I agree with you. And the same thing with the, the masks and the, you know, quote unquote vaccines that weren't vaccines. There's so much potential and I probable, in my view, conflict of interest there. And I, mm. I am so prepared. And 2024 really is a, a year, hopefully, for justice, for transparency. We are ready for it. I'm going to speak on the behalf of, <laughs> mm. of lots of other people that have been through it. I think we're ready for it. And I think we're ready, you know, and people that aren't ready for it, they're probably at a point where they can handle it now and they can be open to the possibility that they, you know, were hoodwinked, in my view. Mm. Yes. We've, um, the unions published a report from a couple of Official Information Act responses on the locations that got dispatched vaccines and also the amount of money paid per dose because that was $36.05 for I saw every... That. The, each pharmacy and how many? Yeah, yes. yeah, for each dose. And that's during business hours. So after hours, so after business hours or on weekends, it was $48. So it's actually quite a conservative 
estimate on how much money. Um, and it, perhaps some of the batches may have been dumped, but I, I highly doubt a business owner would, you know, take this product and not want to administer it at $36.05 per, per dose. There'll be another OIA asking how much has been dumped. And Tafata Aura say they've already administered, is it 12,900,000 doses, something like that? It's on their website. Um, they're very transparent about how many doses they've, they've given out. But it really shows the conflict of interest is probably two degrees of separation away. You know, everyone's got um, – there's a two two degrees of separation in this in this country. There's 1,400 locations, Marais, um, hospital pharmacies, medical centres. They're all on there. Um, and if, if they have benefited financially from the government's COVID-19 response, then – yeah, they really cannot be included in any kind of decision-making for a COVID inquiry because they've been financially gaining. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that uh, there's that awareness out there and I would love to ask my local pharmacist how many people, um, do they have consent forms for the 11,000 people that they gave this out to? You know, there's a lot of questions we can ask. I did ask. I did ask my local pharmacist. I think I sent her a message. I never heard back. Uh, what is coming up for you um, in terms of either you, you know in your personal life or regards with regards to the Number Eight Workers Union? What's coming up for you? And again, how can people reach out and connect if they want to um, join or get some support from the organization? They can visit our webpage, which is number eight, the word number, N-U-M-B-E-R, and then the digit eight.org.nz. There's joining information on there. Uh, it's $5 a week for waged and $2.50 for unwaged, which is probably cheaper than a cup of coffee, I would think, right now. there's We have weekly meetings um, on on Zoom, and we have a Facebook page where we've got a lot of chat groups on there where people share share ideas and this year we've got a lot of hearings coming up and we're looking for good good outcomes and obviously the ones that we don't share are the ones that are silent settlements where there's a non -dis disclosure agreement mm -hmm. so we don't get to talk about all of those unfortunately uh, I think the Canadian Law Society made a request a year ago saying we need to get rid of non-disclosure agreements because it's it's hurting justice. Mm. Um, you know, so you're example, saying there's more progress being made than we realize because yeah, of that, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more progress being made because of non non-disclosure agreements. Mm. And and you see those kinds of non-disclosure agreements as well, you know, in like sexual assault cases or those um in the in the media they just all of a sudden it just dis disappears yes. no more coverage someone's being and they, paid off they laser focus on some other news <laughs> yeah yeah that's right um so yeah that's what i'm looking forward to a lot more cases we've um definitely got the ear of the employment relations authority and the employment court and when i say the ear i mean they're no longer listening to what's on tv every day 
um, they need to start reading what's in the actual legislation and in the orders. And I was very impressed that the that there was a committee report last year about the secondary orders and how they were poorly drafted. And and we're lucky that we now have the government that objected to all of this now now in. Um, so I'm hoping that these this year there'll be a lot more um, exposure of what did go on, how processes haven't been followed. You know, conflicts of interest. There's one for the um, Royal Commission that needs to be followed. I am so, absolutely, yeah, absolutely on your page. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for all the work that you are doing currently, but you've been doing for already a couple of years before now. And I can see that you're having, um, there is progress. And like we mentioned, more than we're actually able to, then you're actually able to share. So things are positive, but there's still so many people out there that um, justice has not been served. And so hopefully that will happen. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap things up? Um, hang in there and yeah, I think we're all doing the right thing. And thank you, Natalie, for having me on. Thank you so much. We've been listening to Erica Whittem, uh, who was the general secretary of the number eight workers union. And we were talking about how the new unions are changing the landscape. And you really are. Thanks for listening, everyone. Are you on the RCR mailing list? Never miss a beat of the news and hard-hitting stories you've come to know and love. Stay in the loop. Visit realitycheck.radio forward slash email.